Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards draft. This is a draft-focused kind of spin-off episode here of Believe in Wizards. We're going to be talking just, I don't know, the 2024 lottery-ish kind of stuff. You know, we'll, we'll get into all the, the names to know for people. I know some of you are like, okay, hey, it's it's early. We shouldn't be talking draft yet, but it's pretty safe to assume the Wizards will be in the NBA draft lottery in 2024 again. So, it doesn't hurt to just like be overly prepared and and know who to be aware of. So to do that, I've got Erson Demir coming on here. And Erson, uh, I love your draft coverage, and I think you're as plugged in with these guys as anybody I know. So thank you for uh, for joining us for this one. Hey Matt, thanks for having me on again, man. I'm looking forward to this one. Talk hoops, talk draft with you for the Wizards fans, you know. Yeah, it should be great. Um, so we're gonna focus mostly today on both some of the point guard i don't know we'll even maybe guard in general because some of these guys are combo guardy and the bigs that could go in the lottery the names for people to pay attention to and then we'll talk a little bit about some of our favorites maybe later down in the draft so let's say the wizards took a point guard in the first round who was a big they could take in the early second round or vice versa so we'll just have a you know a whole bunch of names and we'll spend more time with the lottery pick guys uh, and go from there and then if people want to hear more about this kind of stuff longer term we can always do a follow-up episode as always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Every Flavor You Can Think Of Realistically. They're delicious. And the more I watch The Wizards, the more I feel like I need vodka. So it works out perfectly. Also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get your latest odds and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, basketball, football, everything. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way uh, to place your wagers, including live betting options on your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website, use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V. For 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Uh, all right, Arson, I've got some names here. I'm going to throw them your way. I'm going to throw in a little color on what I know about them, but I think you're more plugged in on these guys. So uh, I don't want to spend too long on, on each one of the guys. We'll get you out of here in a reasonable time because uh, it is pretty late where you are, but I want to spend a little bit more time on these first couple guys at least. Yeah, so let's start with um, USC freshman guard Isaiah Collier. One of the first questions here, I guess, is how big do you think this guy is? I've been going back and forth about this. I've seen some places list him at 6'5", which seems crazy to me. I think he's closer to six feet than he is 6'5". Um, he looks shorter than Brownie James, so um, 6'3 is another number I've seen pretty frequently. So I guess where are you at with him? Is, it, is he a good-sized guard? I think Wizards fans specifically are kind of over the idea of more like six-foot point guard. So I think that's why I'm asking the question first and foremost. Yeah, man, I've seen the, the same thing, 6'5". Seems a bit too much. I've seen 6'3", I think, on the official website. I keep it at 6'3". Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I think with him, it shouldn't matter that much because he's such a good advanced creator, yep. especially off the dribble. An explosive athlete like him, I think, comes around not very often. Mm-hmm. And what I like, it, of course, it's very early in the season. Of course, the strength of the schedule is not very, uh, very good right now. But <laughs> he has shown everything that he showed in high school, especially as a passer. And that's the thing what I focused on with Collier. And I 
when I look at the Wizards roster, what type of point guard do they need? Do they mm. need the floor general? I don't think they need one, to be honest. I think they can build around one without a guy like Tyus Jones, for example, sure. who is that real floor general. Mm. Maybe use Kulibaly more as a guard uh, piece. I like that. So if I look at uh, Collier, he's a very good scorer, man. And you have Poole as well. So you get a dynamic backcourt with two scorers. I immediately think about the Kings, for example, man. What mm. makes the Kings special? The Aaron Fox is an automatic paint touch. I think the Wizards need one. Collier is the easy bet, of course, because he's now projected to go top five at least. And the Wizards will likely get a pick in the top five. Let's be yeah. let's be honest. I don't think it will be a good season. So it's a, it's it's a safe likely bet. Yeah, I think everybody should be on board with that at this point. Yeah, exactly. But I like Collier a lot. More so as an advantage creator for others and himself. An automatic paint touch. Especially if you like to move the ball around. He's a very good passer, man. And he reads the game very well. On the, on the defensive end, I don't think he's a he's a risk long term because athleticism should make up for a lot. Mm. And of course, that's an easy thing to say. But if we look at his feel for the game, he's he's built for the NBA. You know, he's showing it that he was see very early on. So I like him the most, to be honest, from the guys we were going to discuss. I think he's in Wizards' reach as well. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. Um, we'll keep following the chat here as we get going. Uh, John says he's excited for this. Appreciate that, John. Uh, Joe Swam hitting us up with a good afternoon, guys. Appreciate you, Joe. And then it never makes no sense. Uh, said Erson's uh, big board seemed a little far off consensus and wanted to know, do you have Deshaun Harris-Smith as a top five pick? We'll get to DHS here a little bit. Uh, you and I differ on that one. but yeah. uh, So we'll circle back here. I just wanted to acknowledge the chat as we're going through that. Uh, so thanks for following along, everybody. Uh, so Collier, I guess my question to you, Erson, is, is this he like a one position player to you? I think a lot of these teams are, are trying to go for guys that have like multi-positional versatility. To me, he is sort of strictly going to guard like other point guards in the NBA, whereas some of these other guys we might talk about, there's an opportunity for them to guard one through three, if, you know, if not even more than that. So who do you think he guards in the NBA? Yeah, that's a tough one, man, because in the NBA you switch so much, he's the target. Sure. If you put him against the, the taller wing, maybe six six, he's going to be the target. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, if I look at, uh, for example, the Kings, I use the Kings as an example because I want to move it on the later in the episode because I think that's a good example of the 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 you know the direction Wizards should go. But mm -hmm. they kind of target Fox as well, right? But they yeah. have Monk next to him. I think it, it depends on the guy next to him because his size is going to not work in his favor. Sure. To be honest, I think it's a bit overrated as well, size. I think it's important, but it's not that important as much as we talk about today. I think the most thing is he, he's going to be focused on switches. But if he proves as a defender and with his athleticism, I don't see a reason why he should be a liability on the defense in the long run. Early on, definitely, but that's that's a wizard's thing, you know, because they're going to build for a couple of years. So, yeah, I, I think for them, it's just you, you got to continue to get more modern. So, can he shoot? Can he get into the paint? Can he create for others? But also, can he play on off ball? I think that's always going to be a big question mark for a lot of these guys. You, you don't want anyone that is kind of like too pigeonholed into one particular uh, set of things here. The thing I've liked about Collier so far is he's playing with another really good guard. Uh, at USC. So I think, you know, when you're, when you're coming in right away and you're playing next to Boogie Ellis, who is a very good college player and you can immediately sort of coexist with him. And, and not only are they just coexisting, they, they seem to thrive and it's not a, my turn, his turn. It's, 
it's a really good like two man dynamic. I think that's um, that's healthy for him. Uh, Joe asks in the com or says in the comments that the Collier is a shorter size, but he's a big, strong, shorter guy. If that makes sense, I, I think that's a good point, Joe. He, this is a solidly yeah, built dude. He's not going to take you know five years to physically mature enough to bang with other NBA guards. Like he looks like an NFL running back right now. So I think that um, it will you know kind of help him make that transition a little more smoothly. He's not going to just get bully balled. Uh, all right, so that's probably good on Collier here for the moment, at least for kind of a starting point. I, I think the Wizards' point of attack defense has been rough, and I think that's probably somewhere Collier could be good longer term. So so that's nice, but I want to talk somebody who brings a little bit more size to the table, and that's Stefan Castle from Connecticut, also 19 years old, but more of like a hybrid-y kind of player. He's a 6'6", air quotes guard. You know, he can do a little bit of of everything here. And I think that's going to be kind of the appeal for him. There seems to be one of these big creators that moves into the lottery every year. This is probably the most likely guy to be the one this year. You've had the Dyson Daniels, all these kind of guys in, in the past couple of years. And, and he seems like, you know, the one sort of next um, in that mold, really good in the pick and roll already. NBA teams run a ton of pick and roll. So this is a guy that um, can come in and make those high level reads and, and, you could maybe even run like him and Koulibaly two man game. Like I think that's kind of an exciting premise. He, he throws great lobs to guys like Klingon, who is so huge he could probably catch everything anyway. But I, I guess the question for for Castle is, can he shoot it? And uh, you know how like how do you see his game really translating in the NBA? Can like that's been the question for some of these guys. Like a Dyson Daniels, not necessarily a point guard. And maybe that's kind of held him back that he doesn't fit into exactly one role. He's a little maybe too versatile and not specialized enough. So um, give us your take on Castle, pretty please. I think it's a tough one for the vision, man, because what type of point are you getting? I think that's a question I asked in the, in the beginning with Castle. I think if I look at the NBA scenario, I'm just going to focus on his NBA role. Mm -hmm. He has to play with Koulibaly. And he's not going to be the full-time point guard to make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. because if I look at the Wizards roster, you have to have a good score next to him. Yep. I think with Collier, he can take that scoring load. But yeah, with Castle, I don't, I'm not really yeah. There's on not the same level with him. You know? So yeah. I don't think it's going to be his NBA job. For example, mm -hmm. if you put him on a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, sure. which focus on Ingram, Zion, I think in a situation like that, Castle is going to thrive. But with the Wizards, it's Paul, it's Kuzma, and if he's going to stay that way, I think it's best to, you know, either change direction or to accept that he's going to be a top 10 pick who is not going to produce a lot in terms of points. Mm -hmm. But if I look at this game, I think the size definitely helps. I think his feel for the game as a pick and roll playmaker is very good. And he chose to go to Connecticut. He chose to go to a team that's going to defend the title. Of course, he declared to them earlier than, uh, than they won title. So... I think he doesn't run shy away from uh, from the challenge. And if I look at this game and try to compare it to the NBA, it's, I'm, I'm in a little tough position because what is he going to do? I don't think he's going to be your leading point guard with a lot of ball touches. I don't think that should be his role in the NBA. I more so see him as a good connected piece that can guard one, two, three, that can play one, two, three as well, mm -hmm. but not as a full-time point guard, more so as a secondary creator more so as a, as a score for himself, but he has to have scores next to him. I think a team like the Pelicans, for example, would be a much better fit for him rather than uh, the Wizards. 
Uh, that leads me to think he's more of like a Dyson Daniels connective type guy than a Josh Giddy who's probably better with the ball in his hands yeah. a little bit more. Is that kind of where you're, where you're going with that? Yeah, and that's the risk. I don't think uh, with young point guard, the risk is, especially on a team like the Wizards, how many ball touches is going to have? Kuzma wants his share. Kulvali is going to get a bigger role. And of course, you have Jordan Poole, which, who says it's his team. So if he doesn't get the ball, so then we have a problem, right? So I think that's why you have to have either have a potential franchise-chasing player in terms mm-hmm. of the whole package, which leads me towards uh, Collier, rather than a guy like Stephen Castle. And I love to be wrong about him. Mm-hmm. But the way I see him, he's going to be a better off as a connected piece because the physical tools and the size won't be used as a full-time point guard. He's going to do a lot of more things. I think he's going to be asked a lot more, and that's why I think he should be going to a team where they have the fundamentals, the base for him. For example, mm-hmm. the Pelicans, they need one. I think it will be a much better fit there. One of the things I do like about Castle potentially here is this the the willingness to like take a backseat to some of these other guys on his team. Like they're a loaded team, honestly, offensively. Yeah. And he seems okay so far getting these other guys involved. He's playing next to Klingon and Cam Spencer and Tristan Newton and that's really the role that Andre Jackson played for Connecticut last year. So he seems to be able to, to step into that facility, like at least secondary creator kind of role for them. So I think that's that's a nice benefit here. Hostway um, uh, Gonzalez asked in the chat if we could talk a little bit about Tyrese Proctor. That's the next guy I have on my list here. 6'5 guard, 19 years old at Duke. I, I, I wasn't in love with him, honestly, last year when I watched Duke play. I kind of didn't get the appeal as somebody who's being talked about as a lottery prospect. And one of the things I'm trying to remind myself here is that this is a guy that reclassified to get to college a year early and he is old enough to be a sophomore right now. So it's not like a crazy jump, but it's a big jump for these guys to do that, you know, earlier uh, without all the full years of of high school basketball and and that sort of thing. But uh, Proctor last year averaged 11 points, four assists, three rebounds over the final 20 games. So he really trended up. Most of those were Duke wins. Didn't turn the ball over a ton, four assists to about two turnovers a game, a little less than two turnovers, but he played really, really good point of attack defense. And I think if you're the Wizards, like, you know, that's got to be something you consider. Of the three guys we've talked about so far, I think there's probably the best bet that Proctor ends up the best defensively of the three of them. Uh, Where are you at with Proctor's overall game? And and do you kind of see the same defensive upside that I see for him? I think he has the most mature game. Of course, he's a sophomore, not a freshman, but I would say I've said the same thing last year. Okay. I think with Proctor, the thing we have to take in consideration is he had needed some time to adjust to the college level. Mm-hmm. That's why he shot so poorly from three-point range, for example, early on in the season. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really pick it up until January. But if I look at this game, the knock I have on him is too ball dominant, for my taste. Okay. He has the ball, he has that ball the chance to make something happen. But on defense, then he makes up a lot for it because you can trust him in the point of attack. You can trust mm-hmm. him in the late game situation where he has to, you know, take his team, carry his team defensively. As a playmaker, he's the best guy after three by far. But as a scorer, I'm not really yeah. that high on him in terms of what does the NBA team need. The, the thing I want to see from an NBA point guard is able to get downhill, generate multiple paint touches, get to the paint easily, and that's where he struggles. He doesn't really get downhill that easily. He's very crafty, but at the NBA level with uh, different athleticism, with the different type of defenders you're going to face, that's 
that's a risk you're going to take. And of course, he's going to improve as a sophomore. I think he's going to be one of Duke's best players with Pulpowski, of course. But the things I see is he doesn't really, you know, convince me that he's going to be getting downhill as effectively as you want to see. Of course, I see people use the standard uh, better spacing argument, but that doesn't apply to everyone, you know, because you have to be able to get downhill. But on the other hand, his handles are very good. He's very crafty. He knows what he does. He doesn't drive without the play. And he reads the game very well. So I think with him, you're getting a guy like Tyus Jones with a lot more scoring upside. And is that worth for, for the for the Wizards? I don't think Tyrese Proctor is that much of a fit for the Washington Wizards, to be honest. I think he has to go to a team with um, where they need a leading guard where they can give him the usage that he needs in terms of ball touch. I don't think the Wizards should do that with Tyrese Proctor. To me, he's more of the like DeLon Wright kind of player in the NBA where he's like a really good role player, not a lot of star potential. He could be a really good defensive player. Maybe let him do some catch and shoot stuff. I think that's the one thing Proctor does pretty well so far is his, um, you know, catch and shoot ability is probably pretty advanced compared to to some of these guys. And I, I saw a comparison of him of, um, Killian Hayes with a better jump shot. Like, I don't know that that's somebody Wizards fans would want to see taken, you know, both with like yeah, a top five, top seven pick kind of thing. If I were a team picking 15 through 17 or something like that, that'd be much more appealing to me because I, I personally just don't see the star potential. But uh, again, he's young and could be trending up. But even watching that Michigan State game, it, it, he just seemed to struggle with when to pick his spots and. Those are all things you could learn, but um, I, I'm just personally not as in on him as, as some folks here. Uh, other thing Alexander Wilson asked in the chat, can we talk about Alex Sar? Yeah, we're going to just run through some guards here first, and then we'll transition into the lottery bigs in a minute. So we're, we're almost to the kind of back half of the uh, the lottery kind of caliber guard prospects real quick. One guy I want to talk about is just someone I'm fascinated with. I, I don't know that he's going to have a good enough year to get into this wizard trains, but... Um, Garway Dual from Providence, uh, freshman guard. He's got an eight-eight standing reach and a seven-foot wingspan, and he's just like a nightmare for people defensively already. So if you're the Wizards, uh, the the idea of putting like a Garway Bilal Denny uh, group out there defensively is like really intriguing for me. I think the offense, like the shot, is a little weird with the foot positioning, but. I didn't think he'd be able to shoot it well. And I think uh, at the time of this recording, he's like four or five from three so far from the season. So um looks pretty good. But yeah, if he's just going to lock people up and be a nightmare in transition, to me, like the long-term upside makes the most sense of, of um, guys probably projected like back half of the lottery right now. I think this is someone who could rise over the course of the year, though, if he can continue to show the shooting and the productivity. Where are you at with Garway? Man, if he gets stronger and he can show he's going to improve physically mm. and maintain the same thing, I think he's going to be a top five pick. It's very clear. Wow, I love NBA that. is looking for guys like him. Great advantage creators. Of course, the shot is, is not, doesn't look good. But to be honest, I've seen worse shots. and they He look, looks really off balance, though. Like the, the, yeah. the, the upper body stuff actually looks okay to me. He just looks kind of like off balance or weirdly positioned maybe. Yeah. I think he, if he works on that, but he's so good inside dark. I think, yeah. don't think he should work on that. 
it's it's very crazy because the three point shot is most most important thing, especially for a leading guard, because mm-hmm. you have to have that, especially in isolation when you have to get a team bucket off the dribble. But I don't think he should focus on that very early. He should just do what he's going to do very well. I think he gets downhill with ease. I think in terms of rim pressure, he's the best guy that we discussed so far. He's better than the Collier on that end. I think as a playmaker, it's still it's still a bit tough because they have another guy, JD Pierre, on the team with that I like a lot too. But mm-hmm. how's Providence is gonna play? Providence last season was not a good three point shooting team. At least they didn't shoot that much. Yeah. And this season they will have to do it more. I think with Kim English they will do so. Yep. The early results are I would say it's eighty percent on five attempts. Yeah. About the low volume, but I don't care about low volume, man. It's going in, right? So I think if he shots thirty-five uh, percent for the air, it's good. Oh yeah, you would take, take that. Yeah. But I think he has uh, real star power in the long run, man. Especially if he gets stronger, that's my biggest knock on him. Because as mm. a defender, he's gonna lock you up. Yeah. I think he plays with a certain attitude that you don't have in every player. For example, Collier has the same thing as well. Just like I'm gonna lock you up, no matter how much taller you am than me. But Dual has the size to match, man. I think he's going to grow into his body a lot more. To me, he just looks a lot younger than he is, man. I think if you are so high, I think he's 70 years old, maybe junior or senior in high school. That's how he looks. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I think if I look at him in the long run, I see a star, for example. That's the guy I would talk at if I were the Wizards. I think you have uh, you have to have a plan for a guy, but for him, you change your plan, man. I think if I were the Wizards, I would get him, trade pool, and just try Koulibaly and Duval, man. Just focus on those two guys in your backcourt. You don't have to have one full-time point coach. You have to have multiple creators on one team. I think Duan moves the needle, definitely, with what you want to do long-term. But the Wizards have to have a plan. And looking back at the history, it's not fair to the current front office, but they draft a lot of guys top 10. And they never had a plan for any of them. I think Koulibaly, they have a plan for him. I think with their pick this year, it's going to be the same thing. I think this front office knows what he's doing especially with the things they did in the off-season. They know what they're doing. But Dual, I like it, man. I, I'm still very cautious because if he doesn't get stronger, it's going to be a tough thing to uh, to adjust at the NBA level. But if he does, man, top five, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I've, I've yet to see like a really good prospect that didn't maximize their talent because they didn't come at, become at least like league average from a strength perspective. Yeah. Like. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll get more solid, even if he doesn't like totally fill out physically, he'll get, I don't know, more lithe, strong, I I guess. But to me, this is the kind of guy that makes sense for like what Will Dawkins and company seem to do. He's the home run swing kind of guy. And they weren't really afraid to, you know, potentially reach, uh, for somebody like cool to me, he fits their mold of just like hyper athletes that could play lots of positions and be super switchable. And I think again, the shot, like He's making them so far, so I, I can't knock on it too much, and it's not like broken, broken. So anyway, yeah, um, I think it's a bit overrated. To, to for example, it's, it's, it's important, but yeah. you have to have certain, uh, you know, I would say that certain uh, context to it. I think mm-hmm. he's it's very early. Yeah, it's very early. If he shoots like this for the whole season, then the shots are going in anymore. Then we have a conversation. But if it okay. works for him, it works. You know, so sometimes it's just easy as that. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Uh, all right, these next two. Um, this one's really interesting for me, and uh, we've got DJ Wagner from Kentucky that I've got on the list here, and I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember his dad. Uh, he's he's another microwave scorer kind of guy. I don't see DJ necessarily 
uh, as like a pure point guard type. I think he's a more score in bunches kind of guy. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like how well does he shoot it? How well does he finish, especially in the sec as a freshman? I think that's a question, but decision-making he didn't look particularly good in this Kansas game. Dewan Harris and guys like that were able to kind of lock him up a little bit. So, you know, this is interesting. I I think, um, not a guy I would take probably with a top five pick or something like that. But if I were a guy that needed an offensive minded, uh, guard, you know, he's, he's, they list him at six, three also appear smaller than that to me. So if I'm going to take a small guard, he better be able to like light shit up offensively and, and hopefully create enough for others to make the pick worth it. Uh, so I don't know where, where are you at with, um, with DJ Wagner. It's Stockholm, man, because if you look at Kentucky, they already play Kansas. Yep. Of the biggest component they're going to play all year. Mm-hmm. And these other guys, they did it. They played easier competition, put it sure. like that. And with Kentucky, that roster is just so much overlap, man. I think it's, uh, it should be Rob Dillingham's team. At least he's proven it in the scrimmage. He's carrying that offense. I think, but with Rob Dillingham, is he going to be full time point guard? I don't think he should. He should be playing more so as a pure score type of guy. Of course, it's very, it's not unfair. It's unfair to him to put him in a box like that. But for example, in the Tyler Hero type of uh, role, he's going mm-hmm. to score a lot. That's his primary job. But with DJ Wagner, I think he's one of those guys. If I were him, I would go one and done because. He has a lot more to learn, just like Tyrese Proctor. I think if you look at the potential, he's a very smart player, man. A lot of basketball IQ. His dad, I think his dad was an NBA player. His grandfather was an NBA player as well. He's going to be a third-generation guy in the NBA. But he, he shouldn't rush it, you know, because if I look at him, I see a player that knows what he's doing. I think the basketball IQ comes with uh, coming from a basketball family, but he made very advanced reads in high school. But he had the ball in his hands so much that Eventually, it would come. And I think the biggest challenge for him is learning how to play without being the number one option, without being the star, you know, without being the guy. I think mm-hmm. that's why Kentucky was a good choice for him because now he has to earn his bread and he has to earn his role. I think Rob Dillingham is already ahead of him as of now. Because if I were Cal, I would put him ahead of the picking order. And uh, that other guy as well, the, what's his name? Uh, I mean, Reed Shepard was really good in their, yeah, that in their opening game, the other freshman. Justin Edwards totally disappeared. I think that's just going to be how it is for Kentucky this year, where one guy steps up some night, and, and you're going to see like some really yeah, big Shepard. swings from from some of these guys, where if Wagner was Kentucky, really good right? in the next game and Dillingham didn't do much, I think that wouldn't shock me either. So for them, you're probably just looking you know, for, for the flashes of upside. And it's Kentucky, right? You have to sacrifice to play in a team like Duke or Kentucky. Sure. And I think if teams go back to his high school film, they see a lot of great things, man. He's a very good life dribble passer. In the pick and roll, I didn't like him that much. But he he showed that he can play for others, create mm-hmm. for others. But he didn't really do it because it was his show. He would rather go for a bucket versus a bucket getter. He played with a – you know that he had a lot of fun playing basketball. Yeah. So – if teams were going to focus on him, I would wait a year if I were him. Just, you know, grow into your body, mature, mature your game. I think Kentucky is the best program to do it, although they are proven to have very good uh, one-on-one cards. But if I look at a guy like Quickly, he was there for, what, two years, three years? Yeah, uh, two if years. I were him, I would stay, man. I think DJ Wagner is going to be a very good player in the NBA down the stretch. But if he goes one and done, man, I don't think he's going to be in a good situation. So for him, 
for the Wizards, I would even consider this year at least. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a guy that can play his way into their range. A um, couple questions from the chat. It never makes no sense. Ask, is Brian Keefe known for fixing people's shots? Uh, I don't know if he's known specifically as a shot doctor. I think he's um, pretty good about helping guys like add to their bag and things like that. I think that was something Kevin Durant mentioned. Uh, helping him to get in and out of certain moves was was um, impressive. He also wanted to know if you've seen uh, Carlton Carrington from the Baltimore area put up a triple-double in his first game for Pittsburgh. Uh, I've I've seen him. I I don't see uh, like a one and done pro, but he's definitely something that I want to keep an eye on uh, longer term, and I think he's an interesting player. I haven't seen him, man. I wanted to watch a bit for uh, Guillermo Diaz Graham and his brother. Yeah, but I haven't uh, done it yet. So yeah, he's uh, he's worth adding to the list just because at the very least he'll be a fun college player as a freshman this year. And then uh, Hostway asked, uh, which of the Kentucky guards are you higher on? Sounds like you're higher on Dillingham. I'm higher on Wagner. But I, I really do think it'll depend on the night and the matchup yeah, and things like that. And depend on the context, what you're looking for. Yeah. If you're looking for a point guard, I'm higher on DJ Wagner, but not this year. Yeah. If you're looking for more of that uh, dynamic scorer off the bench, but mm-hmm. although I, it's unfair for me for, to put him in a box like that, but I think Dillingham is his game screams that he's going to do that at the NBA. Yeah, he's a microwave for sure. Like yeah. he'll, he'll get you some points quick. Uh, last guard I want to talk about here in the lottery range in kind of in depth is Nikola Topic. This is someone I have not watched play at all this year. Everybody says he's like uh, terrific at navigating pick and roll already, like an elite um, kind of decision maker in those situations and got really great feel for the game. A lot of the stereotypes people throw out of European guards. He's a bigger player at six, six, uh, 18 years old playing in a really good league already. Uh, it sounds like the question marks kind of come defensively potentially, I guess, uh, Erson, you've seen him. What, what's your thoughts on Topic? I've seen him for a couple of years. And to be honest, you put the nail on the head, man. For example, every European guard, graceful for the game, pick and roll playmaker. But mm-hmm. that's what he's going to do at the NBA level. But I've seen people put him in the top 10, top 5. It's too much for me, man. I'm not on that boat. He's going to be a first-round caliber guy to me because if I look at his body, that the lack of athleticism is going to hurt him. Sure. I think the difference between uh, the NBA college and the European game and that's why it's important to always take your time to evaluate these guys is the, the different rules is one FIBA sure. the, the court size is difference that's important and in Europe it's not really your one man show it's not really your your individual freedom to do your things your way is not really there but with him they give him a lot of freedom compared mm-hmm. to a lot of other teams so that's something in his advantage so he's going to show, show what he's going to do at the NBA level but on defensive end, I have my worries. I think he's going to be a guy that you, if you know how to focus on his weak points, that you're going to exploit very easily. I think on the defensive end, that's where he needs to mature his game. But that's also the thing that comes with most European guard prospects. They're not really known as defenders. Yeah. They're more so known, you know, as, uh, as you know, these guys are going to contribute to offense, make a team better especially with their basketball IQ. And with this guy, basketball IQ is off the charts, man. I think he's making live drill passes last year. That was like, this guy should be a pro at 17 years old. What is he doing at this level? But right. this year, Mega Basket making the point, starting point card. So they really, and Mega Basket is a very interesting team because they really know how to get NBA level talent and how to give them enough freedom to stay within the boundaries of European basketball and still put these guys in 
looks for the NBA, could put him in the best position they can. But with Topic, I think the defense varies a lot more than people will uh, will mention. They will more so focus on the things that you know that's not really common in the NBA. We have so much pick and roll, but the, the real elite pick and roll playmakers are not very, not very few, very few of them in the NBA. Mm. I think he can be one, but he has a lot of things you have to add to as your defensive end is one of the first things. And I think as a shooter, he's a good shooter, but I think yeah, he knows how to get to his spots at the, the FIBA rules. I think a lack of spacing is benefiting him, as crazy as it sounds, because he is more comfortable in close gaps with without a lot of space. I think if you have a lot of space, it will either make it easier for him. That's the easy thing. But I, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be as easy for him at the NBA level because so much gap between the level of athleticism and he's a guy, you know, that uh, just does everything out of instincts, man. Because and these players take time, and I think drafting him top ten would be unfair, because he would be in the same position like Nikola Jovic, for example. Not to mention because they both similar came from the same team. But if you draft him, you better have a long term plan because you have to have a lot of patience. And if I you have, he will going to be a great player. But for the Wizards, not a top ten guy, I would consider. Yeah, I think he seems like a trendy pick for people to say they want him with a top five pick right now just because yeah. he's been one of the few guys playing. Uh, he got a head start on some of the college basketball guys. So when people are watching him and no one else, I think sometimes that, you know, some of those guys get a head start. I think yeah, that's he's why. killing it. So it yeah, makes it easier. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, and that probably is a good transition into our first big here. Also, uh, Alexander Saar, another guy with the NBL. That got um, you know people got to look at early, and I think he rose up some boards because he was the only people, only guy that people were really watching. Last thing, I just want to do this one super quickly to touch on it, just because uh, it came up already. Deshaun Harris Smith of Maryland. This is a guy you love. I want to love him as a Maryland alum. Uh, saw him in person a couple times this weekend, and I, I personally think it's more likely he never plays in the NBA than he plays in the NBA next year. Uh, I guess what have you seen? From from Harris Smith that that you were so high on him, man. It was purely the high school thing, man. Because okay. I think the difference now is, if I look at this game, his body he's already so mature, man. He's built like a tank at six five. That's the That's thing true. where I started watching him, and he get to his spot so easily. I think he played with so much confidence. It didn't really matter, and he was so strong at the rim with both hands. I think what I liked about him is he could transition into having the ball in his hands too much. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really his thing, yeah. but he was more comfortable playing off others as well. I think he should have played more as a cutter. I think he's more so as that wing type of guy. Okay. But he should be a guard at the NBA level because Maryland, yeah, but they have young, right? So he's not in the... That's going to be the problem. Is he's not going to yeah. get enough on-ball reps to yeah, show exactly. that. So I think he needs those, man, to yeah. really Coming showcase back next himself. year and be in the league guard. So the, the combination of touch, his touch at the rim is incredible, man. man I think if he... If you look at him in 10 games from now, he should showcase it. At that. If he doesn't, I'm with you. Then you should yeah. wait here. But right now, I see a guy that's going to be one of the best players in wings in potential in the NBA. That's how I am. Because of the body, because of the touch is already so good, man. And he's working on a lot of other things, especially off-ball. Although he was comfortable at the high school level, but still high school level. D1 basketball, especially at the high level at Maryland, is a, is a different beast than uh, sure. playing it at the top high school. He was playing for, uh, with it, Paul Six. Paul Six, yeah, they're really good. Yeah. They're a good program. But 
for him, it's, for me, it's more so wishful thinking because I saw him for the first time. It's like, I'm going to watch this guy until I'm tired of watching this guy. And then I saw him to Maryland. I was like, great choice, but Young is there. Is he going to be there? I was hoping he would leave, but it didn't happen. But Yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can scalp over the course of the year. I want you to be right because if he plays like he's a, a, a one-and-done pick, that means my team is uh, pretty good. Got out Terps, got the Maryland shirt on uh, right now as we're rough talking. Rough start, here. bro. Rough start, but all right, yeah, for, for sure. Um, all right, moving on to the bigs here, Alexander Saar. Uh, if you search my Twitter handle and Alex Saar, I think I'm probably the first Wizards person to mention him, mostly because I loved Olivier Saar, and he's actually looking kind of good in limited minutes this year. And I figured the the younger, um, higher potential version of him and, and Alex would be pretty impressive the big thing here i think is just as teams kind of um try to be more switchable and things like that you can easily envision sar as a guy who can both protect the rim and switch on the perimeter he can be a help defender but also like get back and recover and i think the defensive versatility is probably what sets him apart the shot is like a little bit of a knuckleball but he makes enough of them or at least theoretically could make enough of them to show some value there I personally don't think he gives you like that much other offensive upside, but uh, I could be wrong there. Maybe he can put the ball on the floor a little bit and, and attack some guys. And I, I don't know that I see wing kind of skills with him, but if he can do enough other stuff, I think that makes him really intriguing. So uh, what do you think about Alexar? Man, I'm really in a tough position with him because I see why people have him as a top two, top three guy. Being number one. Sure. To be honest, I've seen it all. I've talked to a couple of guys and they mentioned different things. But to me, is he's the trendy guy. He's the sexy prospect because you have Chet, you have Wamayama. These are the guys that you're looking for right now. Mm-hmm. And you have him. And with Overtime Elite last year, he was not good. But yeah. Overtime is a different context. He was there to work on his game, his work mm-hmm. on his athletic tools, how to get more to his body, how to use his athleticism as an advantage. He was more so going to school than showcasing how good he was. Right. I think going to the NBA was always in his plan. I think so because mm, makes sense. With the thing which what you have is European prospect is when they they're playing on their own, they're very good. When they play Team USA, they if they survive, they they you know they're going to be good. Yeah. And with him, the athleticism is off the charts. And if you look at his defensive positions, especially the G League night games, man, he locked around Holland up a couple of times. That's yeah, crazy. This is going to be a guy that's going to be put in a situation with a lot of unrealistic expectations because if you're going to draft in top three, he's going to be a different season on both ends. Chet is going to be one. Wabayama is going to be one. There's two difference makers for a franchise. Mm-hmm. But I think Alex R is mostly going to make a difference with, with his defense. Yeah, so. The offensive end, I don't really see an advanced role for him, to be honest. Of course, he's showing different things, but that's more so changing wishful thinking. I don't really care that much about the shot, but more so about if I look at this game, if I look mm-hmm. at the things that he's going to do at an NBA floor, they're mostly going to be on the defensive end. I don't drafting a guy like that in the top five. You're better hoping to have a guy like Tyson Chandler in today's NBA, something like that. Just, just 100% a great defender, defensive player of the year winner, but offensively he's not going to do a lot. You have to have guys that can take over. A score for two, for example, to really, to really make place for him. But for the Wizards, as crazy as it sounds, man, if you have your backcourt settled, he's a guy I would target. I would go for a top ten pick, to be honest. 
because the, the, guy, the defender that he is, Gafford is not the defender that he is. He plays with a lot of energy, and I like him as a rim protector, but that's where it ends for me with Gafford. But with Alex Sora, I think he can be, for example, what Lively is doing in the offensive in Dallas. I think he can be what on the defense, but he can impact the Wizards mm-hmm. immediately, but he won't be a team star or something. That's why I'm really cautious in putting him in my top 10. I see him as a lottery guy for sure, but top yeah. five? Yeah, I think the chances of Star being a elite role player are more likely than they are him being a star at any point. Could he be like seven foot tall, Brandon Clark? I mean, like I think that's kind of where I'm that's at. That's the fair thing of the NBA, you know. You have so offensively, you have to be good if you want to be in that type of cons- uh, conversation. And with mm-hmm. him, that's where my doubt is, man. I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, I agree. And 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 that might be half we have to reframe for this draft when there aren't kind of those high star potential guys. Like to me, Ron Holland or one of these guys has more star potential. And I'd rather take them with a number one pick despite any positional, you know, redundancy and things like that. But of the bigs, SAR is probably the most impressive. I think the next guy on the list for most people seems to be Yukon's Donovan Klingon. This guy is absolutely massive. He didn't play a ton last year behind Damasinogo, who's a more ready to play college guy. For anyone not familiar with Klingon in high school, he was kind of like doughy, to be honest with you. So he made immediate strides last year physically. And if you look at like the per 36 numbers for him, he was crazy productive. So uh, this is just a huge dude. He's different than Sar. Like he's going to protect the rim because he's just so massive. He's going to eclipse somebody driving to the basket. I think he'll be like the best drop coverage big in the league, potentially. I I mean, like he's that kind of defensive caliber guy where he'll just he may not even put up huge block numbers because he could deter people from going to the rim so much which is equally important he'll set good screens for people in high school again he showed a decent amount of like you know high post facilitation and things like that he's got good touch i don't know if he shoots it yet but this is a dude that already like wasn't in like elite shape and things like that and uh, made massive production in short amounts of time. So I think that's why everyone projects him to be like ridiculous, you know, for this year. So I, I might actually be leaning. There's a world where I could see Klingon, you know, over Sar. Um, I'm not a big fan of taking a big anywhere in the top 10, unless you think he can be like a generational player. And I, I don't know that Klingon can do that, but uh, I don't know that Sar can do that either. So I think it's just kind of a different, you know, what do you need and how do you want to build a team and a defensive scheme around them? Nah, man, I'm I'm much higher on Klingon, to be honest. Wow. Much, much higher. The thing I have with him is the free throw shooting is not good. Sure. That's the easy one. Because I don't like to use free throw sense as indicator of touch, but with a big man, I have to. Yeah. If he's going to shoot 50%, there's no way he's going to play a lot of four quarter minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to take, uh, take a guy out, to take pace out of the game, one. Mm-hmm. And to take a team out in terms of, you know, just hacking. But it's unfair to him because I think the touch should improve. I think the form doesn't look that crazy. Yeah. And yes, he's seven too, man. But he moves like he's six five, six six. That's the crazy part with him. And he's already so good defensively, man. I think his touch around the rim is very good as well. He was more so used as a play finisher because that's something that he's going to do at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. And on the defensive end, he can guard. I think if he guards too deep, and the perimeter is going to be burned. I think he's a bit overrated on that end. I don't think uh-huh. he's that 
switchable as people make it seem because I no, read he, something like and he's so switchable. Like, oh, he's purely a drop coverage big to me. He might just yeah, be like and, a really effing good one. So if you're okay playing that way, I think Klingon. Geez, and the, the court of college basketball is very deceptive, you know, because yeah. more spacing, there's no way he's going to be that comfortable. But at the rim, it's all him, man. And to be honest, if I were the Wizards, you better have. Yeah, just like I said, you better have your backcourt set because mm-hmm. he's going to be a very important role player. But to be honest, that's something not to talk on on American centers, but with American center, you don't have a lot of good screeners. Yeah. That's something you don't have. And to be honest, he's a very good screener, man. I think so. And that's something he's going to fix the center position for Team USA. And I think he... He's going to be a very good player who should be drafted in the top 10, other than Sar, who don't have in the top 10. I have Klingon at number three, I think, in my preseason board. I think I have him at six or seven right now. And he's going to stay there, man, because he's going to be a game changer for every franchise he's going to. Because he, you know what you're getting, and he's very good at it. He doesn't have to do a lot more. Not to make like the lazy stereotype here, but the success of somebody like a Walker Kessler, where they're so big, but they're almost exclusively a drop big. Uh, is, is probably something that NBA teams are looking at and being like, wow, can Klingon be a Walker Kessler on steroids kind of guy? So I think that'll be interesting. So yeah, Dukes Kyle Filipowski, uh, sophomore, came back for a year. I don't think this is a guy that plays his way in the lottery, but he's probably the best offensive big in the entire draft. I think he's a floor spacer. He can create for others out of the high post. Um, so I, I think he's a name that will get some some attention. Uh, so I talked about Kyle Filipowski there for a minute. And the last one I want to talk about is Azan Almanza. Uh, he's going to play for G League at night this year. He's a Spanish player. This guy's just like one at every level. He was the MVP of the under 19 world cup as an underage player, MVP of the U 18 European championships, uh, MVP of the U 17 world cup in 2022. Like the dude just wins. And he's just a really, like really productive guy. I, I don't think, think I see the NBA future for him that a lot of people do to me. He's not particularly mobile or switchable. He's not really a rim protector. Uh, he doesn't really shoot it. So it's it just, he's, he's got like a much more limited chance of, of his kind of archetype player being successful. He's a good rebounder. He's a, a good play finisher. I think he can create for others a little bit to me. He's like kind of a poor man's Alperin Shangun where it's just like, you have to have such like elite feel to be able to cover up for the things you don't do well. And and so I I would shy away from him being a lottery level player uh, just simply because I have question marks about fit. But he could be also, and I had the same things about Shangun, and now he looks really good. So I don't know. To me, they'll both probably be guys that get, always get kind of picked on defensively, whereas these other guys we're talking about mostly could anchor a defense. So um, Filipowski uh, probably like, a four on offense, but can he guard fives? I, so there's some questions with him, questions with Almansa. Um, so those are those are two guys I, I don't think end up in the Wizards range, but I thought were at least worth talking about. Thoughts on either guy, real quickly, before we kind of close up here. Man, to start with Almansa, I think the the tough part with prospects like him is to be, for example, Spain. What Spain does is from the U30s all the way to the national team, they play a certain way. They always play a certain way. And to be a big man in a system like that is very beneficial because you know what you're going to do, what mm. you have to do to stay on the court. And Almansa is very good, man. I think his touch is something that caught my attention. 
Although he looked very bad against uh, the Salt Lake City Stars, but that's okay. His first game, I don't value that. But looking at his whole tournaments, he showed one thing consistently: that he was his playbook, offensive playbook, was very advanced, and mm. his touch around the rim was incredible. He sets hard screens, and he, if he if he needs to, he can move to the perimeter. But that's not the way they play. So shooting is not really something that you see a lot from him. So that's why it's very deceptive to see at this resume with all these MVPs and say, yeah, this guy is going to be a top 10 pick. Of course, I would say the same thing. But at the NBA level, it's different, man. You have to make him useful. You have to very, have a very good guard in the backcourt. If he plays on the Suns with guys like CP3, well, of course, he's going to be good. But that's not that's not realistic. Yeah. For Almanza, I, for example, here early, I didn't see the NBA future for him despite him winning all these things. Mm-hmm. But one thing has changed, man. He grew to his body. He looks a lot more as a grown man right now. And he's still 18 years old. People forget that. And the reason that he went to the G League at night is that his camp already knows that he's not going to, in terms of fit for the NBA, that he was not at, really at that level. So that's the only thing he should focus on. Mm-hmm. I think Coach Jason Hart has a, has a plan for him. He's going to feature him in a lot of different styles of play. I think he's going to be an NBA player. It's going to be picked in the lottery because the, the long-term potential and you know what you're getting with him is going to out, outweigh certain doubts because sure. on the defensive end, I agree with you. He's not a good rim protector at all. Yeah. He could be a decent one. And if I look at, for example, not to pick on Gafford or something, but the thing that makes me lean towards liking Gafford is his energy. If you look pure fundamentally, he's not a good rim protector to me, but he plays with so much energy and he knows what he's doing. And he's the type of guy that is going to have the same thing. Not the athlete mm-hmm. that he is, but in terms of the fundamentals making up for the natural skill. That's what Almaz is giving me. And with Filipowski, man, I'm, I'm not going to be contrary, just to be contrary to, to, uh, to the consensus, but sure. I don't see it, man. Interesting. I don't see an NBA future, to be honest. I think the defensive end, that's where it's it's painful, but I listened to Raphael Bello the other day that the hip surgery and the hip uh, issues, I didn't know that he had had these. So that makes up. Yeah, he's that, got, he, he looks a little more things, spry but, so far this year. For anyone not familiar, yeah. he had both surgery on both hips in the offseason. He's a little more yeah, man, mobile and flexible, but still not, not an elite switcher. I understand why he was so bad defense. Because <laughs> right, exactly. He was so bad defense. I was like, this guy has no. Uh, if he's going to be one and done, nah, I would be surprised. But luckily for him, we went back because he can be a star in college. But for the NBA future, I don't really see it, man. Especially where he's marked right now, top 20. No, man, I don't really see it. Not to put, be disrespectful towards these guys. Everyone has his opinion. It's entitled to one. But I'm purely looking at the defensive side of the game. And that's where you're, yeah, you're basically giving one points away. But on the offensive end, of course, he's going to have be a pick and pop threat. There's going to be a real difference maker on that end. And the offensive versatility is off the charts, man. You can play him basically any way that you want. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the number one option and do for a reason. So yep. for him, I'm out, but I try to sell myself the idea because he's so good, you you have to consider him. Yeah, you have to have the right team around him to make him kind of work out, I yeah, think. But for the Wizards, nah, nah, I don't uh, like that. Yeah, I agree, especially not in, in this kind of range. If they found themselves with another late first-round pick or something like that, maybe that's yeah, a, we'll a different it. story. All right, so let's um let's each give a couple names here. Uh, we'll go back and forth. We'll do these very quickly uh, just to close us out here. 
who's a big kind of late first round, second round pick, or like a sleeper guy that that you really like or are higher on that you'd like to talk about here quickly? We'll we'll do two bigs and Would two guards be, each. Uh, big man. Yeah, let's go big first. Mine is Guillermo Diaz Gray, man from Pittsburgh. Okay, tell tell folks about him. Why why is he appealing to you? I think he the thing with him is he plays with his twin brother, so you have to really check who is who. Sure. But with Pittsburgh, they're going to be a fun team. I have to catch up. I haven't seen him this season as, at all. Mm-hmm. But with him as a freshman, he didn't play that, that much. But what I liked about him, it's the same thing. He, he's Spanish, mm-hmm. same youth, he's played the same way. But he has that NBA type of passing. That's one. He's an excellent screener and he's active in the pick and pop. And he's, he knows what he's doing because he only does a couple of things, but he's done them so well already. As a freshman, he didn't play that much, mm-hmm. but it didn't really matter for me because I know he's going to have a sophomore leap and some guys left. And of course, in, with Pittsburgh, you have to have a long-term plan for guys like me. So. And as a freshman, physically, he was not ready to play a lot of minutes. Sure. Right now, he improved. But as a Zepp-Putter, who can play very good in the post, pass out of the post, and is a shooting threat, that's the easy pick, you know. But on the defensive end, is he's a bit slow-footed for my taste. But with that size, that's come naturally. But as a rim protector, I like him a lot. He plays with a lot of toughness. But he's look a bit lanky, you know, because it's mm-hmm. just, a, just a skinny dude. He's very yeah, he tall. In the post, they don't do it really convincing. But I think he can be a five at the NBA level. For example, uh, for the Wizards, I yeah. would take a flyer on him with an early second round pick. Because if I look, for example, on how the Wizards should play, they can play five out with Baldwin maybe at the four. Him at the five, especially with the with the way how he screens, he said a lot of active off ball screens. I think what I like about, uh, for example, the Wizards that they need is they need a good screener. Man, I think Gafford is not he's not showing. Yeah, they, they, I think uh, Gortat was a lot one you had, so that's Gortat tried to uh, yeah. to help Gafford out with that last year, and it resulted in a lot of moving picks. So I'm yeah, with you. Um, offensive foul. So um, not to pick on Gafford because I like Gafford a lot, man. Sure. He's a very good player. I think he's very underrated, but you have to be careful with drafting a big that's similar to him because that's not really moving the needle. But with Diaz Graham, I think as a passer, as a shooter in the pick and pop, especially as a screener, those two things are things that was just desperately needed in the center position. I like him, man, for the Wizards as an early flyer. Uh, I love that because he's a lesser heralded guy and that's something for people to check out. And he's uh, averaging about 16 minutes and about six points per game so far this year. So they haven't fully integrated him yet, but uh, he was going to go play prep school for a friend of mine. And I got to see his video a couple of years ago and he's definitely uh, an intriguing guy to to say the least. Um, All right. I'm not going to give you one. I'm going to give you three. I don't want to go super deep into them, but I'll just throw some names out. These are guys I like. I've been a big Trevin Brazil guy. Uh, He's just super lanky. I think he could give you a lot of the things that people are looking for Alex Sar to give you. And I actually have to buy the shooting a lot more. He's just a little smaller, but he's such an elite athlete. I think he could be switchable and a rim protector and a weak side shot blocker and all those other things, but also a rim runner, a play finisher. So, and there's a little wiggle to him. So I love that. If you're going to go traditional center drop coverage, kind of big, I think people are really sleeping on Ryan Kalkbrenner because he's older and not crazy efficient, yeah. but um, he's another guy where like, the blocks would be even higher, but people are almost like afraid to challenge him at this point. He's just another massive I had him dude. Pick on my board. Yeah, I think I probably will too, to be honest with you. So 
Uh, I don't know if he'll go that early. So if the Wizards are picking 34 or something like that, it's someone I would certainly consider. I think he would play for this team right now if he'd come out last year. Like everyone loved Jay Huff. Picture like better Jay Huff, in my opinion. Uh, and then the other one, this is kind of cheating. He's a little bit of a wing, but Baba Miller is still somebody I have a lot of stock in. Uh, eventually he probably plays the four slash five more than he, I don't know if he's like a full-time wing. So, um, he'll be interesting. Uh, uh, asked in the chat about Ryan Dunn from UVA. He's more of a wing to me, so we'll save him for another episode, but I appreciate the question. And, uh, also it never makes no sense. Asked, uh, Erson, how you feel about Tristan Vukcevic? Um, just real quickly, any thoughts on Vukcevic? Mm, yeah, I think what, what, what happened was always going to happen. I think with Vucevic is, if you look at the offensive things that he's going to add, he belongs in the NBA. But defensively, it's the easiest answer I can get, man. Defensively, it wasn't good in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not good, good, could be good at the NBA level. Yeah. So I don't expect a lot unless the Wizards gave him a couple of years to develop. Sure. But roster spots are scarce, man. You don't get a lot of, a couple of years to develop unless you're really moving the needle. But a guy like Vucevic, I think the athleticism was definitely a big thing with him. That's why he eventually made a step to the NBA. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't doesn't have that, he's not an NBA player. That's easy as that. It sounds harsh, but I, this was going to happen. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I'm not super sold on that pick. I would have rather traded up than trade down because there were a lot of guys in the 25 range that are still uh being really productive this year so rather go from i think 35 to 42 i would have rather seen them go from 35 to 25 and and use some assets but um all right just in the interest of the time here let's maybe go with a guard each that we like any any guards you want to throw out here that maybe are, are lesser heralded guys that that you're higher on than consensus man if i look at today's nba i think we talked about most of the top 10 guys mm. but the guy that i like about for for this year is jaden Akers from michigan state Okay. He's playing, uh, they play a three guard lineup. So mm-hmm. he's mostly playing as that three. I think as a defender, he's one of the best defenders in the last two drafts, without a doubt. And he's in his junior year mm-hmm. with Jaden Akins, his three point shooting. I think the numbers speak for itself, but that's not the numbers that are intriguing, but the way he shoots. He gets mm-hmm. in his spots with ease. He's that ultimate low usage guy, man. That ultimate low usage guy that's going to make your team better. I think as a point of attack defender, there are very few better than him in the country, without a doubt. Because he's really making life easier for AJ Hogarth and Tyson Walker on the Michigan State team. Yeah, the rough start to the season because the yeah. shots are not falling. I don't really, I'm not really worried about that. I have Jay Nagus yeah. as a late person on pick. I think he he really moves the needle defensively. On the offensive end, he is a bit reluctant, to be honest. I think sure. he is either Tom is always really instructing him to get more. Tyson Walker, AJ Hogarth, the, the keys to the offense rather than him. But as a defender, I think you're not going to find a better one easier. So Jaden Hicks is the one I, I I really like. And I think for the Wizards, if you pick in that late first round, for example, they acquire a pick in the late first round, early second, each guy would talk without a doubt. And not to uh, block my work shamelessly here, but if you want to go more on that, on Substack, I wrote a report on him, on Guillermo Diaz Graham as well. Um, about that, where I try to go more in depth in these guys, mm-hmm. but Jaden Aiken says he's playing for a big program, but he's not getting the draft consideration that he deserves. In my opinion, yeah, I mean, I think them being so bad offensively so far this year has kind of hurt everybody. Uh, he's shooting like thirty-five percent from the field, ten percent from three, but no one on their team other than Tyson Walker can score. So I think that's um, 
that's really hurting everyone right now. But he's rebounding the ball, stealing the ball a lot, trying to be productive in other ways here. Yeah, I like um, him, man. Jaden X is really nice to keep an eye on. His yep. name is going to pop up eventually. Uh, I love that. Uh, yeah, I think anything outside the box is, is super interesting. Mm, anything else, to... I have another guy that I want to talk about. Wade sure. Forrest, Hunter Sellers. Okay. He's in the state market type. Hunter Sellers has a lot more things to prove. Also in his junior year. Five stories with Nebraska. Didn't play in Fukuzak for two years. They basically wasted. I'm not normally a guy that talks negatively about the program, but the Gonzaga, I have no good thing to say about it. Mm. Because the way they treated him, and also that other guy was going to go to Kentucky, but chose to go to Gonzaga and then yeah. didn't play years. So, my man, I went with him. Hannah is a terrific defender, man. But he's more so a, a natural scorer, more than Jaden Nakes is. He's a natural scorer. They should play as an off guard. And I think with Wake Forest, they have uh, Hildred. He's a good player. Yeah, Cam Hildred. And uh, on the sales is starting. So, and sure. Coach Steve Forbes is one of the most creative coaches in college basketball. Great I like defensive coach, too. Yeah. And Honda Sellers is, he has a lot to prove, but eventually he will be getting into draft consideration. But right, right now, it's too early. Uh, another great call. And uh, I think um, Wake Forest is probably not high on people's radar. So, if you see them out there, yeah. ACC fans, uh, give them a watch. Um, Hostway in the chat asked if we talked about um, Jacoby Walter. Going to save him for a Wings episode here. He's kind of more of an off, well, more of a scoring guard than a facilitator type. So um, we'll, we'll save him. Just another couple names to keep an eye on for folks. Again, don't want to spend a ton of time on. Um, undersized, but Aiden Holloway, freshman for Auburn. Auburn. Uh, could be like Sharif Cooper, but with more jump shot potential. Uh, interesting. Uh, Ryan Nemhard, his brother Andrew Nemhard, everybody kind of slept on him. A uh, little bit smaller, maybe, and less physical, but I think potentially quicker and more dynamic. They plan for Gonzaga this year, so I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, Kevin McCuller, probably more of a wing, but I think would have to create some on ball. He's just probably the best defensive wing in the draft. But, yeah, um, and that's where it's basically ending for him. So he's in a tough position. He's, like he's him, hit man. some threes this year, too. So I think that's, that's good for him that maybe they retooled him, had a uh, triple-double the other night against Kentucky, so that's good. So Tyler Kolick was Big East Player of the Year last year. I think he could win that um, award again this year, and he's just like so productive that even though he's not your typical NBA draft prospect, he's a guy that wouldn't surprise me if someone took him in like the late second round. He ended up like hanging around mm-hmm. as a backup point guard for a long time. Uh, I love me Aiden Mahaney. I've <laughs> just got all the Aiden Mahaney stock for St. Mary's. Uh, again, probably not a great defensive prospect, but elite in the pick and roll. I think he really shoots it. And if you watch their Gonzaga games last year, just massive stones on the guy. So I, I respect that. Uh, and the last one here, again, probably more of a wing at the college level because they ask him to do everything offensively. I think in the NBA, he's probably more of a facilitator type is uh, AJ Mitchell out of UC Santa Barbara. Just like a killer in the pick and roll. Um He's from Belgium. He's used to being more of a facilitator type. Their coaching staff has like begged him to be their main offensive hub. So I think the way he plays now is differently than he'd play in college. But uh, as a sophomore, average 16 points, three rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals. Only shot 27% from three, but the shot looks really good. I think a lot of that has to do with shot selection. And he's an 81% free throw shooter. So there's definitely enough to share, but. Uh, to me, he would be like a pick-and-roll nightmare for somebody coming off the bench. Yeah, I like that call, man. I think if he picks his shot, he's going to be drafted as easy as that because 
in terms of guards, he's one of the most complete players. But he's mm-hmm. playing for a yeah. Can we call him a mid major? Yeah, they're mid major. Yeah, yeah. That's lower mid major, honestly. But they're, but they're a good team in a lower mid major. Yeah, they're a good team, and they went to the tournament right last season. Yep. They got eliminated early, but that's okay. I think he what he's showing is he has a lot of feel for the game. But on the offense, man, he you know that he has to carry the burden, man, because he's mm-hmm. forcing his way to shots that's not good. He's not really helping in this situation. And if he's shot, I think he's going to be drafted. But he's more so more so of the end of the bench type of player. I don't think he's going to be started at the NBA level unless he's staying the same and he's shooting lights out. Right. And he's bringing them success. And you have no choice, but that's asking a lot and not really being realistic. Agree. Yeah, more of a, a late round sleeper that I don't see on boards, but I think I would take a shot on. Uh, Erson, most important question, where can people find your work? Yeah, man, it's on Twitter at EDimmerNBA. I tweet about uh, college basketball in the draft normally yeah, a lot a lot of times yeah. today. Like <laughs> last time I'm not doing that this season, I'm going to do it a lot less. Okay. I'm trying to improve my English with writing. So I started the Substack. Mm-hmm. So my it's on my page. It's all free. You know, and I write scouting reports. My goal is one hundred. Right now, mm-hmm. I'm I have more than ten, so it's not okay. Really You're off to a good start, man. But yeah. I've tried to go more in depth. Okay. My focus is more so the guys that are not getting the attention. That's my thing. Sure, I'm and, not going to write the the thousand scouting report on Isaiah Collier. <laughs> right, exactly. But more so about the guys that are going to be very good NBA players, but they don't really get the love, or maybe the guys that have certain narrative, and I try to beat the narrative, not to be uh, an against the grain guy, to be against the grain guy, but. That's that's always been my thing on Twitter. I also give flowers to the guys that don't get attention. Like if you look at my page, I barely talk about Wembanyam or uh, right. Scoot Anderson, unless it's to change a certain narrative to really mm-hmm. put my opinion out. So that's my thing. I think Substack is going to be my thing this season. And other than that, I do work for Shot Quality. Definitely check them out as well. I think they're game changer with the way they're using the data to you know make make decision makers a lot better, especially with coaching staff. So, for example, if, uh, if you look at the shot quality stuff of Maryland, maybe this, the quality of the shots were <laughs> good, but yeah. the, execu- the, the execution, good, not right? great. Yeah, yeah but the, check them out, man. They're really game-changing in terms of how they use the, the data to improve coaching staff. That's their thing. I love so it, man. Uh, me, man. No, I appreciate it. I, I think um, your video work the last couple of years has been something that I really appreciate, too. And And I love anybody that shoves, you know, kind of shines a light on uh, these guys that don't get the same publicity. And and that's what really good scouting departments do is they find the guys on the fringes or on the margins that um, that other people aren't aren't really focusing on. So I, I think that's yeah, a, a good angle to pursue and and um, a realistic one because again, nobody uh, needs another eight thousand word report on hey Victor Wembanyama is going to be good. But if you can find a guy <laughs> that no one else is paying attention to, that gives you a real um, you know, advantage. So I love that. Um, thank you for coming on and doing this. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll hit the rest of the other kind of lottery ish prospects, uh, that are more scoring guard wing type guys. And then some of the, um, the forwards that are a little more hybridy, uh, in a future episode here. So thanks for tuning in. This was believe in wizards, rate, review, subscribe, hit that little notification button for us on the YouTube page. Want to keep going on the YouTube channel if we can. So I always appreciate that. And shameless plug for our Believe in DMV Hoops pod. If you're not following that, had a really good one today, I think. Again, kind of selfish and biased. But uh, with Garrett Johnson of George Washington, 
overcame uh, a nine inch tumor in his hip. He had to take the last two years off to do chemo and had a bunch of like nine hour surgeries to, to try mm. to shrink that thing. And he is just killing it right now. I actually think he is like a, a pro prospect because he's six, eight ish can shoot it, can dunk on people. So somebody worth keeping an eye on. So please follow us over on that thread as well. Trying to keep grow that one and, and represent the DMV. Well, uh, Arison, thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon here. Hopefully everybody presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you all next time. Matthew, the best man. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.